this is a little awkward. Hello, everybody. That'll be funny on the video, too, because you know they were recording. Uh-huh. Welcome to, <laughs> to the vineyard. We're very glad you're with us uh, this weekend. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Living Invitations. And uh, like the title says, you know, uh, Peter called us to live you know, such good lives among the pre-Christians that, that we would impact them so that they would make decisions for Jesus before His return. And so we're, we're talking about what that looks like. And um, as we started in this series, I began to talk about hospitality, which led me down sort of into a sub-series on the armor of God. Because the idea is that, um, you know, we're to be reaching out to our neighbors and we defined our neighbors as anyone who needs the mercy of God. And, and then that we realize that there's a spiritual battle going on and that the enemy is trying to keep people blinded to the truth. Uh, and, you know, having come to Christ now, we, we're not a part of that battle anymore because we know the truth and we've been set free. We've been rescued from darkness into light. But we still need to battle on behalf of our neighbors, those who are still being blinded. And so God has given us armor for this battle, not only for our own, but uh, to battle on behalf of our neighbors and to take a stand for them as well. So we're taking some time to work through the armor of God together that's found in Ephesians 6. And so far we've, we've talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and having our, our feet, you know, in the shoes of peace, basically. And we talked about the shield of faith last week. And today we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. And remember, I'm encouraging you to pray this armor on that as part of your daily routine. That, that you should actually take a few moments and pray the armor on. Not just kind of arbitrarily, oh yeah, and I put that armor on too. I, I mean, you, you, as part of your life, you think about the armor going on. And, and that's why we're taking time to look at each piece. And, and, and actually, the prayer would be like, you know, Lord, I put on the, the, the belt of truth, and I want to be a person of truth and integrity today. I want to I want my life to match up, you know, what I say and what I believe. I want them to, to match up. I want to have on the breastplate of righteousness today, God. And, and I want your righteousness. I don't want my own self-righteousness. I, I want a righteousness that's relational and loving, which is what your righteousness looks like. I want to be ready. I want to put on shoes of readiness and, and be a peacemaker uh, today, Lord. Uh, helping people to come and know and be at peace with you and at peace with others. I'm going to take up that shield of faith, God, knowing that you exist and that you care and that you respond and, and that you're with me and for me. And, and Lord, I'm going to have that uh, with me as well. And, and now we're going to add uh, another piece, the helmet of salvation. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. And uh, out in the back, there's these, uh, these black wristbands that say I've got my armor on. My hope is you take these and you, once you've prayed that, you put the wristband on. Don't just drop the wristband on think you're covered. Uh, you actually need to pray that on. There's something about including that in your prayers. It's very powerful as you go through the day. So we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation today. That's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. What do you call a dirty window on the backside of a house? A pain in the rear to clean. That's funny. Pain, P-A-N-E, it's a little pun. Okay. Wow, is this one stupid? What did one sponge say to the other sponge? What did one sponge say to the other sponge? Nothing. It was a loofah. No? 
All right, Father's Day joke, and then I'm done. I'm moving on. Little boy says to his dad, hey, dad, are bugs good to eat? The father said, let's not talk about things like that at the dinner table. After dinner, the father says, okay, son, what, what was it you wanted to ask me? Then nothing. There was a bug in your soup, but now it's gone. <laughs> oh, sure, that you'll laugh at. See, that tells me something about you guys. <laughs> I always think it's me. But. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Here comes our scripture reading. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can, st you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. Blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to dig into the first part of Ephesians 6, 17, the helmet of salvation. I forgot to mention in the uh, announcements earlier, we also have online bulletins now. If you'd like to follow along on your tablet or on your phone, um, you can just go to uh, onemoresermon.com. Everything's right there. You fill it in electronically, hit the button, it'll go to your email, and you have everything in there, notes, scriptures, everything, all in one spot. Uh, you can also pick that up on our Jesus Moment app. It's there too. But I forgot to mention that earlier, and uh, I wanted to mention it now. So if you like to do that, there you go. Plus, it gives you an excuse to look at your phone while I'm talking, <laughs> which, is, which is important. So, helmet of salvation is, is what we're talking about. Now, and the purpose of the helmet, you know, and, and most of you can relate to this, a, a helmet is to protect your head. Uh, an injury to the head is often life-threatening, life-terminating, um, huge deal. And our, our brain, you know, is, is you know, what keeps everything going. And it's also the center of our thinking. It's, it's, you know, it's easily one of the most important things in our lives. And so it needs to be protected. And, and we need to be aware of that even as we engage in the spiritual battle that's at hand. And so the, the helmet is an extremely important part of this armor. Just like every, as everything else is, so is the helmet. And so point number one, um, let's talk about the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. Um, the Apostle Paul, who, who gives us in, you know, the armor of God that we're reading in Ephesians, also wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And so I like that he calls the helmet of salvation. They're the hope of salvation as well. And so um, as, we, as we think about the helmet of salvation, uh, immediately we should think about um, our salvation and what that means and, and how amazing that is because it really prepares us for battle. And, and I've been talking to you about this for some time, but, but whenever we talk about salvation, I, wanna, I want you to think of it immediately in three terms. That... Um, we, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. And you go, why do you think about it like that? It's very important that you sort of understand that's what's happening in your salvation. 
We are saved. And there's a word for each one of these areas in our life. And I want you to know those words. I don't teach you a whole lot of Christianese. But, but these things you should know in your, in your life. What they mean. We are saved. When you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and you believe in what He's done for you. And you give your life to Him. You're saved. And at that moment you're justified. That's the first of these three. Justification. Justification, and every time I, I come across that word and we talk about it, I stop and go, anytime you read about being justified, you should just stop and make sure you let it sink in. Justification, the way you remember it, is just as if I'd never sinned. When you come to know Christ uh, and you're in relationship with Him, God then chooses to see you in the perfection of His Son. So, so this is the basis of your relationship now with God. He doesn't see any of the mess that's going on, any of the stuff that you've done or are still doing or whatever. He sees you in the perfection of His sinless, perfect Son, the perfect sacrifice. And that's just amazing. You need to know that's the basis of your relationship with God is that you're justified. It's not, it, you couldn't do it. You could never work hard enough. You could never be good enough. You could never change enough. None of those things could happen. But, but it happens when we come to Christ. We're saved. We're justified. Our relationship with God is now in the perfection of His Son. It's an amazing deal. But we're also being saved. So we have that going for us. We're being saved. And the word for that is sanctified. You should, you should think about how cool it is that we're being sanctified. Sanctification. Be, because God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son. But... We all know we're, we're not there yet. We're a work in progress. And so God comes and dwells in us. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And what He does is He sanctifies us. This is a, a lifelong process as a believer where we yield to the Holy Spirit and He changes us. And He's making us more and more like Jesus. That's what's taking place in the course of our life. That will be happening until we go to be with Jesus or Jesus comes back for us. We're going to be in that process of being saved, sanctification. At the point in time when, when we're with Jesus face to face, either we've gone to Him or He's come to us, third thing that happens of your salvation is glorification. You're glorified. Glorification is the one you look forward to. These are cool. Don't get me wrong. Justification, already relating to God through Christ. Wow. Like, like I'm, you know. And then Holy Spirit coming, it's an amazing deal, being sanctified, glorified. All things are new. New bodies, new everything, whole new deal, really cool, eternal amazingness. Okay, so, so when, when you talk about salvation and the hope of your salvation, you should have that sort of engaged in your thinking. This is the m most amazing deal in the universe. There's nothing like this. The, salvation, it's just amazing. And, and the lengths that he went to to make it happen and how it all works, justified, sanctified, glorified, really, really cool. And so... Because of that, and, and when we get that, and we're, that's the helmet we're putting on, that should impact our thinking. See, it's, it's right in that whole thinking area. And, and it should change our perspective dramatically when we start to get that. Because life at that point then is, is not, has to be, we don't live it in our own narrow perspective where everything revolves around us. It, it really helps us to get we're part of a bigger story, his story. He's the noun of the story. We're adjectives, and that's where we begin to find life. And, and this life that we have with Him is now and forever. There's nothing quite like it. But, but all of this kind of happens when we sort of understand what's taking place in our salvation. Some people just kind of go, yeah, well, I'm saved. And so that's cool. I'm going to, I get to be with Jesus forever now. And there's so much more to it than that. It's just, it's, 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 it's like mind-boggling, right? But it should change your perspective on how you think. This helmet of salvation.
Second, then we're being transformed. We're being transformed. So rather than being consumed by the very fearful culture that we all live on and, and live in, and we do live in a very fearful culture, and, and if, you, if you're not sure that you agree with me, just go turn on any of the cable news channels for any few moments and watch the fear that's being spewed at you almost immediately about how bad everything is and how bad it's going to get and then we're going to go to commercial and we're going to bring on three extroverts to tell you no it's actually worse than that <laughs> and then there'll be more after the commercial they're going to tell you no it's really even worse than that and get everybody stirred up no matter where you where you fall in all those things and it's just constant and that's how our culture lives you think about it apart from Jesus most people live caught up in that all the time I can't even imagine it, what, what that's like. And I, I've told you, you know, years ago, now it's been 10, 12 years, I, I was getting stirred up every day by these 24-hour news things, and I'm like, why am I watching? So I turned it off. I don't watch it. I get the headlines. I'm not unaware of what's happening, but I can grab those off, off of, uh, you know, the web, the Internet, and so I know how to pray, but I don't want everybody's opinions about how bad it's going to be because I don't need, I don't want to live in that. See, my mind's being transformed by Him. And so I want to focus my thoughts on the kingdom of God and what God can do and what God can do in the moment, what God can do in the day and what God can do in my life. That's how I want to live life. Romans 12, 2, Paul says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so if we get busy conforming to the, to the world, um, we're not going to stand on behalf of our neighbors. We're just not going to. So we need to be transformed. And this isn't like a life. Some people think it's, a, well, that's a life about, you know, just doing what Christians are supposed to do and not do. This transformation is really about what I talked about earlier, sanctification. It's about yielding to the Holy Spirit and living for God. That's where we find life. And, and so being transformed is not about not having any fun it, it, because when you're transformed in Christ, you love to live by doing the next right thing. It's not a chore or duty. It's fun. It's something you want to do. It's where you find life, and you get it. There's nothing better than that. So we need to be transformed. Third, by the renewing of our minds. The renewing of our minds. So what's wrong with my mind that makes it need to be renewed? And here's the deal with your mind. Your mind has an attitude. Fascinating. Ephesians 4.23 Paul says you need to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Or in the New American Standard, it says it be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So the spirit of your mind or the attitude of your mind is a mindset that you have. And so your mind or your brain is, is, is fascinating how God made it, but it's way more than like a, like a computer that just processes information. It actually has a viewpoint. It has, a, it has an attitude. And just like everything else in this fallen world, in this broken planet, um, our, our minds are, have gone through that whole process of the fall, and they're broken like everything else. And, and so what they need is they need to be renewed. All of the filters that we have have to be evaluated and adjusted continuously uh, in, this, in this walk with the Lord. Uh, so I was, I was trying to think of a, uh, something that I, I could help illustrate that. And so I've been running more and more lately. Uh, and I've run, you know, in the past, and then I get tired of running, and I don't run. I'll run a half mile or a mile, but back up to running a few miles a few times a week and um, just trying to, you know, engage. And let me tell you about my mind. So when I go for a run, 
the first half a mile, I want to stop the entire time. Like from the, and I start talking myself out of running almost from the time that I get ready to start. And I have to, stre- I have to work out now for like 20 minutes to go for a run. Everything's got to be stretched. And I start thinking of excuses. Wow, it's really hot. I better be cooler tomorrow. And so my mind is doing this whole time. And I'm pushing through and pushing through. And first half mile, oh man, I'm gonna, not going to make it. not going to make it. Second half of a mile, feeling pretty good. I go, okay, this is not so bad. Miles number two and three, whole time I want to quit running. The entire time. I had to... <laughs> I had, I'm not going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, and it's, it's, hor- it's horrific. And at the same time that I'm running, I also, I want to run a little faster all the time. And so, you know, I'm trying to get back to the point where I could run like nine minute miles. And so when I started in January running, I was running 12 minute miles. Now I'm running about nine and a half minute miles. So I've come a long way, but I don't, I can't find that other gear. And, and I know that, that uh, this is the fight that I have now. So I need to push my pace a little bit. But my mind is telling me I can't run any faster than nine and a half minute miles. And my body is sending all sorts of agreeing signals, <laughs> which isn't helping anything. <laughs> but it starts lying to me, like, well, if you, if you run a little faster now, what's going to happen is you're not going to have anything left at the end. You're going to run out of juice. And, and so I start buying that, and I go, well, I, I, I guess. And, and see, the thing is that it, you have to adjust your mind, and you have to say to it, no, no, that's, I, I get what you're telling me. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we can do this. We just got to keep pushing on. We can make it happen. And I have to start, you know, readjusting the filters a little bit and those things that are happening, those opinions, so that I press on and do it. And, and the big thing to me is, see, it's true. Maybe I won't have enough juice left at the end, but here's what, what you have to keep in mind is that in your life, you have to keep God in the equation of your life. And that's the biggest part that we need to get renewed and transformed. We often take God right out of the equation of our lives. And we quit factoring Him in. And we, don't, we, we forget that, that God's involved actively in our lives. And so we're not taking that into the equation. And so, so you know, I want to tell you in this whole process, always keep God in the equation of your lives. Never discount what God might do in the process. You never know. God could do all sorts of things. You just never know what He's going to do. And, and so don't discount Him. And that changes everything in the process. So, so always, you know, keep God in the equation of your lives. And... and you know, you have to adjust filters and things, and you don't always have to go back and do things that you've always done. You, you can make changes, and the Holy Spirit can help you, and, and, and He can change you over time, and so don't feel trapped or stuck. Your mind can be renewed and transformed. He'll do it if you'll let Him, and, and don't fall into old patterns. Keep God in the equation. Something He can do something if you'll let Him, and so so we begin this process, and ultimately what comes out of that, and how we know we're really sort of engaging in this, is this, this is really cool, number four. Um, our hearts start to soften. This is one of the most coolest transformations, I think, that happens in our lives when you're engaging in the process with Jesus, is that you, your heart starts to stop. Paul said this in Ephesians 4, 17 through 18. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. That's the word for pre-Christians. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. See, our, our fallen mindset, the attitude of our mind, the viewpoint, um, causes a hardening of our hearts. And, and as we yield to the Spirit, though, one of the results is that our hearts begin to soften. Um, you, we sang that song earlier, Change My Heart, O God. I want to be, be more like you. 
See, what happens when you're engaged in this is you should become less hard-lined, if you would. The, the edges should begin to soften in you. Your compassion levels be, begin to rise. Our hearts begin to break over the thing that, things that break God's heart. Something changes in us. So you know, sometimes people will, will, will not allow this process to happen. And they get very, instead of becoming softer around the edges, they actually get harder around the edges. They get more critical and they get more, you know, mean-spirited. And you see it happen. And, and I always, I know when that's happening is they, they haven't really fully engaged in how amazing this life is. And, and rather than going back to the fact that they've already been justified and they're being sanctified and they one day will be glorified, they get stuck in this performance-based life where they think it's all on them to be a rule follower. They're miserable because they're not having any fun at all in their lives. And then they become critical and extremely hard-hearted and they, they have no impact on the world around them for Jesus. They're not living such good lives among them that, that it makes a difference. The life that people see from people like that isn't a life that they want. And so as as the followers of Christ, what we have to do is we have to get this, how amazing this helmet of salvation is, what it means to be saved, what, you know, it's, it's just, you know, like fire insurance or whatever that some people think. It's, it's like the most amazing thing in life. The God, perfect, holy God, I'm reconciled to Him now because of what Christ has done. I'm justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Wow. How, it's just mind-boggling because of the mess in my life and yet he sees me in the perfection of his son and then he's with me and the Holy Spirit comes and in this mess and, and is willing to dwell with me and, and help me on the journey and empower me and equip me and, and lead me and guide me and you know move me in the direction and love me through the process and continue and continue even though I resist and I fight and he keeps coming and loving me and letting you know just letting me grow in him and and I know what's coming and how amazing that is. But life is full now. And, and, and so I, I grab a hold of it. And I say, God, I want to I live for you. And, and Lord, continue the process. Where my mind is stuck, Lord, renew it. Transform it. Change it. And, and Lord, let it, let it manifest itself in a heart that's softened for you. That cares about people the way that you do. That, that cares about the lost. That cares about people that aren't in. Because you do. And so this is an amazing thing, this helmet. And so I, I would encourage you, you know, take some time this week and as you're praying on the rest of the armor, pray, pray on that helmet of salvation too and what it means and, and uh, we'll go from there. But my time is up. That went quick. Like, wow. Quick 22 minutes. Really? So anyway, I'm done. Uh, if uh, you need prayer and you're watching on the video, go to the, go to the website. There's a prayer page. Type it in. We'll pray for you. Come and see us when you can. We'd love to have you. Um, thanks for watching. God bless you.